Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, God, may be glorified. This is a messianic uh, prophecy concerning, of course, the Messiah. But here we see in Luke's gospel, chapter four, Jesus going into his own hometown in verse 16. And it was the Sabbath. So he came into Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as the custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20, and he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Verse 21, he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we see this messianic prophecy that foretold about the anointed one coming. And we see Christ saying it's fulfilled in your hearing today. Jesus is the anointed one. And then our final reading this morning is Acts chapter 10. This is, of course, after the resurrection and Peter is being directed to go to Cornelius. He's, he's leaving his comfort zone. He's going to the house of a Gentile, to a Roman soldier who is in, uh, he was an officer, a centurion over hundreds of men. And he begins to proclaim the gospel. In the midst of proclaiming the gospel, part of his message is found in verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So the anointing in Hebrew is Messiah, and in Greek it's Chrisma. It's an individual or an object that has been smeared with oil. The oil is always a representation of the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. And these individuals were set apart to do a work for God. Isaiah 10:27 says and the yoke or the bondages will be destroyed because of the anointing oil because of the anointing the anointing destroys the yoke now Isaiah prophesied about a messiah who would come that the spirit of the lord would be upon him and then it listed the things that would take place because of the anointing we call this the anointing factor Jesus was anointed, and through the anointing that was upon him, mankind was benefited. Here's one of the truths about the anointing. The anointing is not for the individual, it's for those he is serving. Because God anoints people not just to anoint people so that they can serve and do the work of God, and so that lives can be transformed and touched. Jesus being the servant of God, yes, he was the son of God, but he came to serve us in our sin, was anointed by God by the Holy Spirit would come upon him and he would be able to do the work of God because of the anointing. Jesus even said, 
everything that I'm reading about this prophecy is about to be fulfilled in your hearing that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, we know that that Jesus Christ, Jesus being representation of the humanity of of who he was, but Christ or Christo being a representation of the deity of who he is. He's 100% God, 100% man. And we know Christo, Chrisma, means the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. Daniel prophesied about one who would be anointed. And through him, the governments, the governments would be in alignment. And then Isaiah said one day the governments would be upon his shoulder and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, the anointing is such an important factor in us receiving our needs met. If it wasn't for the anointing, no needs would be met. It is the, the anointing that ministers, that breaks off the yokes of bondages, that sets the captive free, that open up the blind eyes. But the anointing doesn't just fall on people randomly. It falls on those who are in the presence of God, those who have consecrated themselves to God. So any and all individuals in the body of Christ can be anointed to a certain degree. And you can increase in that anointing because the anointing visually is when you are smeared or oil is rubbed on you. And when you're in proximity with God, then God smears off on us and God is anointed. So the more time you spend in the presence of the Lord, the more time that you commit yourself and consecrate yourself to being with the person of God, then his anointing rubs off on you. And what does that do? Well, it sets everything in order. Praise be to God for that. Everything that sin took out of order, the anointing brings back into order. And now we're in alignment with God's will and God's purpose. So it's beneficial for us to spend time with our Savior. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. So when we read about healings and miracles here in, uh, in our study, the scripture does differentiate between miracles and healings. Miracles were immediate and instantaneous. And we've seen that in several of our, uh, of our messages. While healing can be immediate and also gradual. I've given you two illustrations there, uh, that you can read, uh, upon your own. But everything in life, this is maybe the most important aspect of both healing and miracles is that everything in life is the part of a process. When we talk about a suddenly, is there such thing as a suddenly, or is it the end of a process, or is it the fulfillment of a promise? I think it's the latter. I think it's the end of a process and the fulfillment of a promise. When you see suddenly in the Bible, it wasn't as if it came out of nowhere. The stage was set, and now God could show up and do what he needed to do. We would say that, Everything that needed to happen preceding the suddenly was now fulfilled and the suddenly could take place. Now, many times it might come upon us suddenly. It it might shock us. It might be immediate to an individual. But many times in God's plan and God's purpose, he's been leading us along this path so that he can have a suddenly in our life. He's been prompting us to be obedient, to be led by his spirit, to follow his, his, his guidance. And when we do so, day in and day out, God can suddenly manifest. God can immediately do something in our lives because we've been following him and the process has now come to the place where fruit is going to be born. 
So there's the seed that's been planted. It's been watered. And now it's growing. And now it suddenly happens. And we see this occur in most things in life that suddenlies are not suddenly. They're a part of a process. Let me use pregnancy as an example. There's a conception and then there's the delivery. But what is there in between the two? Growth and development. Why is the process so important to the Lord? Because the time that you conceive a promise or receive a promise till the time that the promise is delivered on, God wants you to grow and develop and mature. So when the promise comes or the suddenly happens, he gets the glory. And it's not based on anything other than his process of how he works in a human being's life. This is the design of God. See time and harvest. And we see this over and over again. When God created the heavens and the earth, when God formed and fashioned the earth, and when he spoke everything into existence, it was all in seed form. And seeds were sown. And then as they were watered, then they began to grow. And in the course of time, they bore fruit. So everything in creation is a process. Everything in the Christian life is a process because God wants us to grow and to mature. He doesn't want us to stay in an infancy state of of faith. He wants our faith to grow and to grow exceedingly. So there's a timeline in which things occur. We hear this verse uh, in Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. What does that tell us? That there was an appointed time. There's an appointed hour. But what was going on up until the fullness of time? A whole lot of preparation. A whole lot of planning. A whole lot of praying. A whole lot of believing. And then boom, a suddenly occurs. So that's a good study for you. I've given you once again several verses that you can look at. It is the Lord's will that we be healed and walk in health. Matthew 8, 17 says that it was uh, fulfilled. It was filled. Jesus was fulfilling the words of Isaiah about the Messiah that by his stripes we would be healed. And then in 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, be in health, even as your soul prospers. So healing Healing can be immediate and it can be part of a process. I think one of the things that I've noticed throughout the years is that when healing is a process, the person becomes stronger and more vibrant in their faith through the process if they stay with it. I've seen many people come and be ministered to and a need be met and they just go on their way and really not have a root system or really not develop a root system with the Lord. And the Lord delights in doing things for people. He delights in manifesting himself. But I think he also delights and rejoices that we walk and we talk with him on a daily basis. That he becomes our God and we become his people. I think that's a more beautiful picture of what Christianity is really about. It's not just coming to God occasionally. It's learning how to walk with him and abide with him daily. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we have a part to play. We have a part to play. We must receive the anointed word and apply our faith in the anointed one. God doesn't do this randomly. We have a part to play. We have a part 
to play. Faith gives access to the power. It's through faith we have access to the power. And God, God is omnipresent, which means that God is everywhere at all times. But what causes him to manifest? What is it that that allows or permits him to come into an individual's life? It's when they take a step of faith, when they speak words of faith, when they take actions that that uh, that depict faith, then God manifests. But he's everywhere. Do you believe in this room right now that there's different frequencies that are flowing through this room? But. The only way that you can benefit from the frequencies or the messages that they're sending through this room is if you dial into them. Not only do you have to turn on some kind of, of uh, a machine or, or mechanism, a radio or TV or, or your phone, but, but it'll pick up on the frequencies that are coming through if you're on the right frequency. You'll get the certain message. How many of you know that there's electricity all in this room? It's everywhere. There's electricity. All you have to do, though, to to tap into it and to get the benefit from it is what? Access it. You have to plug into it. And so it is with the anointing. The anointing, the presence of God, the person of God is everywhere at all time. It's one of his great attributes. He, he is everywhere at all times. But why is it that some people experience him more than others? Well, they're applying their faith. They're learning how to cooperate with God. They're learning how to dial into that frequency. And as a result of that, they're experiencing more of God in this life. They're experiencing more of his blessing, more of his provision, more of his guidance. They're experiencing more of him. And we can all experience more of him as we dial into him, as we access him by faith, as we plug into him, as we would say, as we keep the switch of faith turned on. It's a beautiful story all through Scripture. It's a beautiful story. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. Now, you can see there that I've given you in your handout the different paths or streams to healing and health. The different paths to streams of healing and health. And what this always reminds me of, this is just an amazing truth about our Lord. And something that I'm so grateful for is that there's not just one path or just one stream. There's multiple paths and multiple streams. So what does that communicate to you? That God is interested in meeting our needs. And we're talking about the anointing, and we're talking about what it does, who it comes upon, and the purpose for which God anoints people is not for themselves, but for others. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. But we have to cooperate with the things of God. We just can't live a very loose life morally. We can't live a very worldly life and expect to experience the blessings of God. We can't have one foot in the world, knowingly have one foot in the world. I'm not I'm not I'm talking about like things that God's been dealing with us about and we've been reluctant to submit or yield or surrender to him. And yet, you know, we want our cake, our cake, not God's cake. We want our cake, and we want, though, the blessing of God. And a double-minded man will be unstable 
or have instability in every area of their life. Because in one way, they know they're not walking in the light in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. And yet in another way, they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they want his blessing. So most of the time, when we're caught between, right, a rock and a hard place, we end up saying, but God, look at all the good things that I'm doing and look at all the wonderful ways that I've served you and look at all the times that I have been consecrated to you. And many times the Lord is just saying, yeah, but if you just get your foot out of the way and get both feet over on the side of the line that they need to be on, you'll experience more of my blessing. Now, this is where we're cooperating with God, because if he's leading us on paths of righteousness, what's the next phrase? For his name's sake. When we're sending a mixed message to people like, you know, hey, I want my cake, but I want God's blessing. It confuses the culture that we're a part of. Now, once again, I'm not asking us to punish ourselves for things we've already been forgiven of things we've already been cleansed of, things that are in the past. But what I'm talking about is that God is constantly at work within us, polishing us, pruning us, and perfecting us. Why? So that he can present us to a world that is lost so that they can see how good our God is. Most people and ourselves, we're aware of all of the missteps we've taken and all of the things that we regret and all the things that we should have, could have, and would have done. And so are our friends and so are our family. But when we become more consecrated and, and devoted to Jesus and people begin to recognize our countenance is changing, our conduct is changing. Because why? Christ is been permitted to be more a part of our life. We're spending more time with him and his ways are becoming our ways and his thoughts are becoming our thoughts and his priorities are becoming our priorities. And it's a testament of what Jesus does in someone's life. This is not the work of a psychologist. This is the work of a savior. This isn't behavior modification. This is a life that has been completely made new because of Jesus Christ and old things are gone and we don't want to go and, you know, continue to, you know, deal with old skeletons in the closets and ghosts from the past. And no, we want to leave that behind and we want to move forward because we want to experience more of God so that more of God through us can be experienced by others. So God is interested in ministering to the needs of mankind. You know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, laying on of hands, anointing with oil, an individual's faith in Jesus, the prayer of agreement, communion, God's anointed minister, repentance and rest, which is probably something that we're not that good at in our nation. I think sometimes we want to do penance and we want God to come and bless what we're doing, but repentance and rest are a completely different path and it can and and work of the spirit. So I want to speak here for a moment before I read two other passages of scripture. Well, no, let me read. Let me read first. Let's go to Mark's gospel and uh, chapter 16. And we're going to read once again, Mark's gospel, chapter 16 about the great commission, because within the great commission, there's just so much good. And I believe that we need to be reminded of, that we need to hear, because it'll dovetail right into what I believe the Lord wants to say as I conclude. So Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. Let's pick up in the 15th verse. 
And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I always think of this verse is that we have a, a job description that includes everybody everywhere. And so gospel work is never done is how I interpret that. It's just whenever the sun goes down here, it's coming up in another hemisphere, another part of the world. And God's people are rising up and constantly the work of God is being done. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned or damned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We see the recovery process. When someone is being in the recovery process, it means that they're amending, they're getting better, they're being strengthened, they're on the road to wholeness, they're on the road to health. And then once a person has experienced the touch of God and they continue to cooperate with the anointing of God and continue to say yes and amen to all the promises of God and they continue to praise and worship and honor the Lord and thank him for his faithfulness, then wholeness and health begin to manifest in that person's life. And then health is something that God wants us to walk in. Once you're healed, God wants you to go ahead and walk in health. He wants that for you. Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things, all the things that God could wish or pray for humanity. The beloved Apostle John said, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So as you develop and as you mature and as you go through the process of becoming more Christ-like, you're definitely going to experience the blessing and the benefit of walking more in health and wholeness. Praise be to God for that. I don't believe the Lord wants any of his children to be lean in their soul, to be anemic in their faith. He wants us to have vibrant faith, to have life, life permeating through us, his life, his spirit. Can I get a hearty amen? Not just going through the motions, but being quickened, being made alive and this mortality coming into contact with that which is immortal and this temporal being touched by that which is eternal he wants us to experience his hand upon us but we have to position ourselves properly to do that we have to come before him and we have to understand that we have to receive the word that was sent we have to receive the messenger that was sent and in doing so wow the results are out of this world so here we can see god's plan god's plan through the Great Commission. And then in James, would you turn back to the book of James? And this will be my last reading. How's everybody doing? Amen. James. Pastor James. And we're going to pick up in the fifth chapter. He asks three questions. uh, This is the third of the three he says, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will what? save the sick. The word save there is sozo. It's salvation. Everything that Jesus came to provide for us and the Lord. What's the next phrase? We'll raise him up. Who does the raising up and the Lord. But what do we have to do? We have to call for the elders of the church, let them pray over us. The elders have a part anointing, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord, the anointing. 
the anointing factor. Here it is, but you can see that there's several things that we have to do in order to get to the place that the Lord will raise us up. So as we take those steps of faith, as we step out on the word of God, then God will make good on his part. I believe that. I believe that. Amen. 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 Had a person came to me many years ago and uh, they said, you know, Pastor, can you pray for me that my faith increase? And I said, well, I I really can't pray that prayer. And they said, well, my faith needs increase. I said, are you a believer? And they said, I am a believer. And I said, well, believers do what? Believers believe. I said, you already have faith. What you need to do is feed your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, let's go back. I'm going to finish with this because this will put a nice little bow tie on it before I exhort you. And then we pray. Go back to, if you would, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. And we're going to see some more things about the ministry of Jesus in this wonderful verse, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10.38, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And as a result of that, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, last week I, I mentioned to you the word healing here is the Greek word therapia. It's where we get our English word therapy or counsel. And I asked you last week, how many of you have ever received counsel or therapy? And many of us have. Parents give counsel or they give therapy to their children as they nurture and they grow. Do you just tell your children just one time and they get it? Or are there multiple times where you counsel them or you therapy them? There's multiple settings. Every teachable moment, hopefully every parent makes the most of And reminds their children or instructs their children in the ways of the Lord. So Jesus in his ministry constantly was in motion. And when he went to the certain cities and villages, he was instructing them in the way of righteousness. And when he was instructing them, he was helping them to achieve healing and wholeness. Every time they sat under his ministry, every time they sat under the anointed word, every time they sat under the anointed one, They were smeared and came in contact with the person in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has anointed the word. The word is anointed. Get into the word and you'll experience more of the anointing. The promises will become real. And you'll experience a blessing of the promises. The process will be something that causes you to become more pure. And therefore, it'll purge out the things that are improper in our life. And it will position us to receive more of what God has provided for us because we'll be able to come to God in faith, in confidence, with assurance. So I want to conclude by saying this, is that if you have doubts, and we all deal with doubts, set up a few therapy sessions with Jesus and let him counsel you into healing and to health. Go and just sit under his word. Go and listen to the master. Go back and recall the multiple occasions in the word where he ministered and kept ministering and will always continue to minister because that is the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is with us through the process. He doesn't abandon us. He walks with us as he purifies us, as he purges us, as we go through the water, as we go through the fire. He shows himself to be faithful. 
We just have to continue to walk with him along the road. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. So this week in praying, there were two words that kept rising up in my spirit. And I want to give them to you as a congregation and to those that are online and those that will be listening in the upcoming days. The first is this word, stagnant and stuck, stagnant and stuck. And so to help me, if you would, just let's stand. You've been sitting for a few minutes, stagnant and stuck. And I heard the Lord say, start to give what you have to others through prayer and witnessing. More room will be made in you and God can pour more of himself into you if you'll make room. Don't be a consumer Christian. If you're stagnant and stuck, listen to me. This fits some of us in this room, myself included. Stagnant and stuck. It means that you've plateaued. That's not a bad place unless you settle there. Unless you believe this is the pinnacle. But you're still here and God is still working in you. So it's to our benefit that we press through this plateau and we go to the next place in our relationship or our consecration or our devotion to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I want to read this again. Now I want you to hear it the way that it really is meant to be heard. And it's a prophetic word for you and me right now. Stagnant and stuck. Start to give what you have to others. Through prayer and witnessing, you'll make room for more of him. God can't pour any more into you until you make Room. Don't be a consumer Christian. Make room for him. Make room for him. Don't get stuck just doing the same thing and expecting a different result. You're just going to frustrate your faith. Go out into the highways and byways. Be stretched and you'll grow stronger. Be stretched and you'll grow stronger. Just don't go to the same places you've always been. Where you've always been and you've already sown seed or watered seed, look for another field. I keep hearing him, look for another field. Quit going to the same field. You're overseeding that field. You're over. Let somebody else go water. You go to another field. Let God direct you to another place and to another situation or another person. All right. The second word that just kept coming to me through the course of the week was missing out. This is how many people feel right now in life, like they're missing out. And I kept hearing the Spirit of God say to me, slow down and you will not miss out. For it is when you set time aside with me that you understand what matters in this life and in the life to come. Don't allow the flesh or the pull of this world to get you out of rhythm with me. Allow me to order your steps, to guide and to lead you into my paths of righteousness. For... It is there that you will experience the abundant life and you'll be able to run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Some people believe that the more they do, the more they'll experience. But I believe the more we do, the more we miss out. The more we stack our schedule. Now, I'm not talking about doing the things of God. I'm talking about doing our own things. Like we have a hard time just slowing down because we feel if we slow down, we're going to miss out. I don't do this. I'm going to miss out. I don't do that. I'm going to miss, I don't keep up with this people. I'm going to miss out. I don't go there. I'm going to miss out. And the distinct difference between us and the world is that we live by a completely set, completely different set of priorities. And we live in a completely different rhythm of life. 
And we don't allow the world, the pressure of this world, the pull of this world to determine our pace of life or our priorities. We let our Savior lead and guide us. Because he's the good shepherd and he's leading and guiding us somewhere. And this is what I've discovered. When you slow down, you'll hear things from him that you wouldn't hear from him when you're in a hurry. See, we miss out because we're not hearing from him. But when you slow down and you hear from him, then you won't miss out on anything. So there's a balance between both of these worlds. Words, stagnant and stuck, well, we need to do something new, yes. But it's new, but it's directed by the Spirit of God. And then missing out. Too many Christians are trying to do everything that everybody else is doing, and yet they're missing out on what God wants to say to them individually or do through them. And this doesn't need to occur. So thanks be to God that he comes, that he encourages us, that he blesses us. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.